All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbra, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, dude? Oh, you know, just uh, a week into this dang cold that I've had. My hands hurt from catching too many smallies this weekend, and uh, yeah, living the life. What's going on with you? First world problems. Too many yeah. smallmouth. Too many smallmouth. <laughs> Yeah, our fishing, yeah. which was Joe awesome. tuning in already. Uh, Andy, I think, um, before we get started in anything, the uh, kind of been the really don't want to say the talk, but kind of been you know the news around the fishing industry this past weekend has been the un- very unfortunate passing of Aaron Martins. And unfortunately, you and I did not have the privilege of being able to meet Aaron. Uh, and we're not going to go too in depth on anything because I don't think it would do it justice after uh, what the boys over at BTL did this morning, and you know our guest today played a part in that. And uh, I think uh, all of you guys tuning in, whether you want to do it now, tomorrow, whatever, whenever you get an opportunity, uh, put in our show notes um, is the link to the episode that BTL did this morning, tributing Aaron Martins. And I highly encourage all of you guys that. Are listening to this, tuning into this, watching this now, should head on over to that and uh, give that a watch because if you don't know much about Aaron Martins, he's definitely something, someone that you should really learn about. Um, and he's one that, uh, if I had a wish for anything, it was just one opportunity to have a conversation with him because the sounds of you know looking at social media, listening to all these different shows of people that have had the pleasure of talking with him have been affected by him uh, in some sort of major way. So. Uh, it's really cool to hear the stories, and uh, it, I guess that's really all I can really say on yeah. it because I don't think anything I would say do justice to what uh, the boys over at BTL and Justin down here in the queue and Dean and uh, you know uh, Brent Chapman and all those folks that were on the show this morning. Stories were, were very moving, so I'll leave it at that. Andy, if you have any comments, wow. um, let it rip, and then we'll it, moving on. It's a great tragedy. Cancer sucks, and um... – to everyone live like it could possibly be the last day on earth because you never know when tragedy will strike. So, and um, prayers to the entire Martins family. Yeah. I think one last thing I'll leave it on is I was, uh, I was chatting on the phone with Ken Duke this morning and uh, we were, he was telling me some stories and we we're having some laughs. And uh, uh, one of the quotes, I, I lost a best friend a few years ago and his famous quote was, to use your smile to change the world, don't let the world change your smile. And I thought, and I was telling Ken about that, and I was like, I think this fits here too. And uh, we kind of left it at that, and uh, I think that's what we'll leave folks with that here. And uh, we'll start getting some some positive stuff and start talking about some fishing. And uh, I think with that being said, really quick note for folks that are tuning in is we do have the 35% off sale for Hobie Eyewear still running until uh, November 14th. So if you guys want to get some cool present ideas for your friends that are anglers or maybe people that like good sunglasses, head on over. Links down in the description. But uh, Andy, that's all I have for for introductions. Is there anything you got before we bring on our guest today? Um, at this moment, no. Like that, the whole Aaron Martin thing just still is so sad. Like, yeah, man, just brutal. Yeah, it's hard to talk about like stuff like that. I I hate death and. How many people ultimately affects it just stinks. So it really does. 
yeah, uh, there's there's not a good a good way to to talk about it. So yeah. uh, I think with that, we'll change it over on a positive note. We'll get to bass fishing, which puts a smile on anybody's everybody's face, like Aaron did, and uh, talk with our guest Justin Lucas today, and, and uh, talk about one what he's been up to since his season has come to an end, and then also talk about what keeps him on top of his game going into. Uh, the next season, what he does during the off season. So I think without further ado, we'll bring our guest down here, Mr. Justin Lucas. What's yeah, going what's on, going man? on, guys? Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. You can see what uh, I've been into during <laughs> yeah. the off season here. Getting kicked <laughs> out of my office and it is <clears throat> becoming the our second baby's room. We're having another little boy. So oh, that's, uh, gonna that's, be fun. that's pretty much what I've been doing. Just getting ready for this next baby. I have not fished probably, but maybe four days total since uh, our last day in September. The last at St. Clair's, like September 14th was my last real day on the water. So almost, what, two months now. And, uh, yeah, I haven't fished hardly at all. So we'll – We'll try to make this work, but, uh, you know, there's not much going on in my off-season as far as fishing goes right now. But I had a really busy year. You know, I did two different tours, and I needed the break. Man, I ended up doing 17 tournaments total this year. Ouch. And uh, I was I was ready for a little break, but I'm, I'm also getting antsy to get ready and get back after it again. Yeah. It sounds like the, the old man's not here just yet. It sounds like he'll be he'll be here soon, but he's already taken up all of your space and taken Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a little, Extra little time. bass above his crib right there. So perfect. There you go. Yeah, the office is no longer the office. We're gonna have to find <laughs> a different place for the computer and the internet and all that. So I say last time you're on, I think there was a treadmill in the spot where the crib is now. Yeah, that's out in the garage now. That's gone. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, you guys are too young to that. You you don't have kids, do you, Andrew? I have a two year old. Oh, you do? Okay, so yeah, you know the so. Bailey, oh, yeah. no kids, right? No, none yet. Yeah. <laughs> you do, you don't know yet, but you'll find no. out. <laughs> I'll be doing a I'll be doing a podcast with you one day, and there'll be a crib in the background of the of your little <laughs> podcast studio there, dude. Oh, gosh. <laughs> It'll happen before you know it, but it's yeah, a good I'm- thing. Not ready for that just yet, but congrats though on the uh, yeah. a, num- a numero dose on the yeah, way. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Another little boy, so got another fisherman in the works. Hopefully, heck yeah! I like How the old your that. Another now. Lucas. That's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, my my first guy. He's four. Um, so he's probably just getting age, into fishing. Age, yeah, yeah. He's he's starting to not like trying to push it on him or anything. You know, just kind of let him do his own thing. But he certainly. Uh, acts like he's in, interested in it and uh, definitely pretty good at casting so far. So we'll just keep working on that, let him do his thing. And if he wants to pick it up, he can. I'm, I'm really trying, uh, you know, Randy Howell lives here. Chris Lane lives here. Boyd, all these pros live here in Gunnersville and they all live on the lake. So I'm trying to hopefully eventually find a little piece of property that I can have a dock and uh, be able to give these these boys a little 10-foot boat, you know, when yeah. they're 12 and let them go screw around on the trolling motor, you know, John boat, <laughs> off off and around the dock in a cove somewhere. If we could ever find that piece of property, that'd be really cool. Oh, I'm sure it will happen eventually. 
Those are goals now, man. Now, now I'm fired up to win some tournaments, try and make money to buy lakefront property. So, <laughs> yeah, I got a new little fire under me. <laughs> I love Sounds it. Sounds like we have another uh, a, another Lee brothers or Shryad brothers in the making here. Yeah, maybe potentially. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's it's such a hard thing to do to make a lit like. Yeah, I'm not saying my job's hard. I'm saying we're just really hard to get there, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, so. I want to give them that opportunity. They're going to have to work for it. They're going to have to earn it. But uh, if they want to do it, you know, I'll, I'll try and help them the best I can. But if I'll support them, whatever they want to do. So it's all good. Awesome. Yeah, my, my parents did not fish at all. And um, I hear footsteps running around out there. It's like, uh oh, <laughs> like something's going to come through. The <laughs> uh, anyway, my parents didn't fish at all. Uh, my dad was really. He was a contractor, marine contractor, and uh, they had a business. My mom ran the business or the book side, the accounting side. And my, my dad ran, you know, out there actually running the tugboats and barges. And they worked on a lot of bridges and stuff in the California Delta. So I grew up around the water, but my parents didn't, didn't fish. So when mm -hmm. I started kind of taking the liking into fishing, you know, my dad's like, he would rather be, be over there welding something when I was 10 instead of fishing. Um, but I just wasn't interested in, in welding or anything mechanical like that. He actually got me and my, my brothers and I a welder for Christmas one year. And we're like, what are we going to do with this thing? <laughs> I think I was eight. My brothers were seven and six. Oh, and we ended up not using it or doing anything with it, of course. Uh, so he took it to work and uh, he started using that welder that we got for Christmas at work. But now my, my brother that's a year younger than me, he's actually got his own welding business. So I oh, guess it kind of worked out for him in the end. Yeah. Um, the anyway, started early to be a welder. Yeah. Yeah. He tried on me, but fishing just pulled pulled me too hard in one direction. Man. <laughs> I, well, I literally wasn't interested in anything else once I found fishing. Quit baseball, quit basketball, just so I could totally focus on fishing. So. Oh. We can relate to that. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so total sidebar, I know this doesn't really have much to do with our episode today, but I know you have some very strong ties into, you know, the early years of college fishing. And you, know, you talked about like the welding and everything that kind of popped in my head of, and we talked about it with, uh, I think it was Jacob Fouts uh, of the, the college route versus the, you know, get, getting into a trade and, you know, taking the opens of the Toyota series route of getting into professional fishing. What, what's your kind of, what's your take on that? On which route you know, I, I've, I've personally, I have a different take than both of them. Um, I think that uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer um, either way, but the way that I went, was you know for college fishing all i did was mc those events mm -hmm. so i never actually fished in college right i went to junior college out of high school and uh my but my direction back then was co-angler co-angling that was really my school that was where i learned the most and uh where i was able to also you know win a boat and mm -hmm. i feel like that was a really big deal to jump start my career i ended up winning five tournaments as a co-angler. I did pretty well. Um, but, you know, I was able to win that boat. And at 19 years old, it's equivalent to a Toyota series. Now it was a Strin series back then. So it was a 19 foot boat without a motor. 
I had won a boat with a friend a few months before that. We sold that. So I was able to use the money from that plus this boat to buy the 200 horsepower motor to put on it. And at 19, I had a paid off boat. And I feel like, you know, that's one of the biggest things in bass fishing that hurts so many people that try and do it is uh, number one, they, they go to college and they might get out of college and they, you don't see many of these college guys fishing as a co-angler, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the way I would suggest it to guys is like, why wouldn't you fish as a co-angler? Because instead of jumping into opens right off the, you know, right off out of the gate when you get out of college or whatever, or during college, something that's so expensive, right? Opens are whatever, $1,800, two grand now, whatever they are. Might have lost you guys. You still got me? Mm-hmm. We got you. Let's see here. You say you still got me? Yep. You're good. Yep. Hold on one sec. You're good. Thanks. Good old technology. Yeah. Screwing everything up. My <laughs> AirPods do that all the time. That's why this like manual plugins. I don't know what happened to them. Hold on, guys. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I can't hear you all. Hmm. I don't know what happened here. You probably have to. Oh, let's see. I think it's the. Cam mic, but let me. I'll shoot him a text. I think you got to click the cam mic on the bottom. Let's see. All right. Can you hear us now? Yeah, we're good. All right. Okay. Did you click the, okay. the cam mic on the bottom to switch it over? Yeah, I might have touched something. Yeah, I don't know what I did. But you guys are good. You can hear me? Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, as far as. Um, you know, as a, as a co-angler, my, my opinion on that is college guys, especially, you know, to me, if you can learn a lot in college, you can be a great college fisherman. And instead of jumping in the opens and fishing with these guys that are legit dudes, you look down the list of the opens or Toyotas, there's some great fishermen in there, really hard to win at that level. Um, if you can fish as a co-angler and win, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, even if they're 18 foot boats now, whatever they are, you've got a $30,000, $35,000 boat uh, that you win, that you're able to sell, use that towards, you know, another, maybe you have one a little bit of money from other tournaments or whatever. Maybe you win two as a co-angler. Um, but that's how you can get out of debt and kind of start the adventure, in my opinion, of becoming a pro at a young age. To me, that's the best way Uh Obviously, we know not everybody comes from money, but most of the pros, uh, most of them, I, I would say probably like 80% of them, if you really hear these guys' stories, they don't, none of them came from money. And so I always say that the passion outweighs, uh, you know, any of the financial uh, whatever they get, you know, financial um, help they get along the way. Now, I had little sponsors along the way. Uh, even had the National Guard as a sponsor. So I had my entries paid for these events. But, you know, back then it was like they were 500 bucks an event. So, uh, and the first one that I won, first couple of boats I won, I had no sponsors at the time. So I'm still a big proponent of being a co-angler. I feel like uh, that's kind of been lost, you know, in the past couple of years uh, with most of them being taken out of all the pro events, you know, and now it's just in AAA level, whatever you want to call it, opens and Toyotas and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. 
obviously it's not for everyone. You can go to college and Hey, if you want to try and fish bass opens as a pro straight out of college, more power to you. Uh, or if you want to go in the route of trade school guy and, you know, try and find that job that's four days a week, 10 hours, Monday through Thursday and fish on the weekends. That's another route too. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that boost of 30 grand in your bank account to me is so much bigger than, you know, than anything else. And if you're good enough fishermen, you should be able to go out there, in my opinion, sign up for, you know, maybe six to nine co-angler events a year. If you're good enough, you're going to be knocking on the door in a couple of those events uh, to, to win those events. So that's my opinion. Uh, you know, and the other thing about fishing as co too is, you don't have to spend all the ex same expenses. I mean, you drive there in your truck. You don't have to practice the full amount of days because things are going to change. And, you know, and you kind of know that, hey, if I go there with a shaky head, and, you know, you could pick seven or eight baits that you could have tied on as a co uh, before you go anywhere. And, and one of those is probably going to do pretty well, if not win the event, you know, that that right. technique or something like that. So uh, that's just my my opinion, um, like I said, it's not, it's not that it's right, uh, not that it's wrong, but uh, I, I kind of want to help. My goal this next year is I'm trying to figure out a way to get a little bit, little bit more focus back on the co-anglers and potentially help some of these younger guys get in those events, uh, you know, and, and help lessen up some of those costs because I feel like if these guys have that, that boost of a $30,000 boat or $40,000 boat, it'd be huge, huge help. Cause you can fish so much better when you're out of debt and trying mm -hmm. to make it in the sport. Uh, that's just, that's a really right. real, you know, the true potential of a fisherman, I think comes out when he doesn't have the financial pressure on himself. Yeah. I, that, that's an angle. And, and Andy, I think that's something that we never even kind of considered until now. I think that's, especially if you're out of debt, that's, that's a very viable option, especially like, if you're within your means, like if you're in a good living situation, even like say if you're still living with your parents and you're young, like in your low, you know, long, uh, young twenties or like mm -hmm. your late teens, like you were talking about, Justin, be 19 yeah. or in the tournament. I mean, that's a very viable option to, yeah. to get into the sport. You're set up for a long-term success at that point. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I lived at my parents till I was 23, dude. So I wasn't, you know, all my friends went off to college and uh, I was able to use, you know, uh, where they were for some fun here and there if I wanted to, but I was so worried about fishing that it didn't even matter. You know, I was, I was trying to get in uh, as many tournaments as I could. And, and that was my main focus, but yeah, it's, um, it's certainly a, you know, it's a way that I, I just really feel like has been overlooked, but uh, I think there's still something there, you know, for sure. And I, and I want, I, I would like to see more guys do it because it's just a, a huge amount of pressure taken off you if you can win even just one of those events and have that kind of cash stored up. Right. Don't be afraid to live at home to your early 20s. Keep a good relationship with your parents, you know. Offer, <laughs> offer to buy groceries, whatever. That's the kind of stuff I was doing. <laughs> offer to pick up groceries, you know, living at home rent free. So, anyway. Yeah, you're talking right to me, man. I, I, uh, I just turned 24 a month ago, and I was living at my parents at 23 and yeah, yeah. I finally moved out and got our own place. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a, a difficult <laughs> question here and then we'll move off or we'll move on into our, uh, our, our topic for the, the show. But 
So, like, as a co-angler, obviously you were really success, uh, successful having five wins as, uh, as a co. But, like, what, you know, and I'm sure you had these draws. Some, every co-angler I've done for a while has these draws where you, you know your guy's just not around him. At that point, when you know you're in that situation, what's your, what's your move? Do you try to make the most out of it, or are you going to try to throw suggestions to your boater? Like, what, what's kind of your angle at that question. point when you know that it's not like a you, – you just know there's not going to be fish around you. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, my the way I always looked at it when I was a co angler because I was, I was so I knew how important it was to to win these events because I had won a boat, you know, right out of high school, and I knew that 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 big chunk of money was making a difference in what I was trying to do, and so I was literally trying to win every tournament as a co angler. So my thought process back then. And I hear that I hear this question a lot. Like, what'd you do with those draws? I either tried to, you know, influence them to move to a different area, or if they wouldn't, I literally felt like, you know, I would tell myself, like, every single cast, there's a fish behind your bait. If you get the opportunity, don't screw it up. And <laughs> you know, if because you gotta think, if you're in a crappy area and you're not gonna get many bites, if you do miss that one or two bites, you're you're really gonna screw yourself. Toast, yeah. Um, but like extreme, extreme amount of focus and not, I, I was in that, um, my, my tell you my very first tournament as a co-angler, I blanked both days. Um, mm. it was at Lake Havasu and I think I blanked both days. I might've caught one the second day, but I'm pretty sure I blanked both days, but then the very next one I won and I was getting in that mood the first tournament, like it was a tough event, but I was like, man, I just wasn't around guys that caught them, you know? I wasn't fishing with guys that caught them, blah, blah, blah. And after that, and the attitude I had after that, you know, I was like, dude, you can't, if you're going to do this, you can't act like that. Like you got to act like there's a fish behind your bait every single cast. And that's what I started telling myself. And then, you know, luckily I won the, uh, the next event, but I did that for several years, you know, the next two or three years as a co-angler and uh, got second a couple of times too. So it, it really paid off. And I'm telling you, I feel like, I could go back right now, fish as a co-angler again, have that same attitude. And I feel like there's so many people that are like, oh, man, my draw, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to fish as a pro, blah, blah, blah. I, when I hear guys talking like that, I'm like, I'm going to beat these guys because they're getting in their own freaking head. You know, mm -hmm. they're worried about who they're drawing. And I'm just worried about making sure that whatever fish that does bite is coming in the boat. And right. you still learn so much fishing with these guys, even if they aren't on the fish, because you learn, you see where boats are, you under, you get the layout of the lakes, you understand, you know, what sections were good and, and what sections were, and even the worst draws, you learn what not to do and, and what sections um, might have been just really crappy fishing, you know, so even yeah. those bad draws, I learned a lot, and it got to the point where I wouldn't want to draw the good fishermen, because I couldn't outfish those guys. I wanted to draw the mediocre guys or the guys that weren't that great um, and just kind of hope that they were around enough that I could just, you know, lay the hammer down that day on them out of the back of the boat. And so it just got to be a competition between myself, really, and the fish. And, and that was That's the way it should be. So I, I would love to see that, you know, kind of spark back up. Because one thing I forgot to point out earlier is you look at a guy like Jordan Lee, you look at a guy like Jacob Wheeler, and these are two guys that are really young, you know, 
right out of college, pretty much, or I don't even know if Wheeler went to college, but Jordan right out of college comes out. He's just this phenomenal fisherman. But how many other guys younger than them right now are there that are that are that level? You know, I, I feel like Jordan and, and Jacob were next level guys uh, yeah. in that age group. And I almost feel like there's kind of becoming a gap right now um, from from those guys. And my point behind that is these guys are phenomenal. They are they are, you know, uh, there's just not going to be that many guys like that come around. Mm-hmm. But what there is a lot of that comes around is phenomenal fishermen in their mid thirties to mid forties to 50 years old. And so that was always my goal too, was I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to be a phenomenal fisherman, you know, like I, in my mind, it wasn't like by 25, I have to have this and this has to be the deal to me. It was like setting goals, like by 28, I'd like to, you know, let's be realistic here. By 28, I would like to be on pro tours and maybe making some top tens, you know, having a chance to win because you got to grow into that. There's so much experience that comes, you know, into this if you're going to do this for a living. Um, so that I feel like that. And now maybe they've bumped it down a little bit more, but like 28 to 45, that's the magical range. You really have like 17 years of, prime you know as a pro in my opinion so if you look at 28 okay you come out of college you're 22 am i gonna do i want to try and rush and be a pro on the opens and go into debt doing it or do i want to try and take the killing route win a couple make sure i can stay out of debt and you know go from there so yeah and um, i'm you know based on that it's going to be interesting you know this year uh, especially looking from the open standpoint, a lot of the open guys that made it are really young, like yeah. 21 to 23 years old. Yeah. Um, and I mean, talking from, from an MLF standpoint too, I, f- I feel like Gray, uh, Gray, Gray Buck and Matt Becker aren't that old either. I feel like they're in their what mid to late twenties. I think they might be 30. Yeah, I know Gray pretty well. I think Gray's, yeah, because he was around in the original college fishing days. He's probably on 35. Gray's probably early 30s. Oh, he's Matt, got baby face. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's a, there's a few guys over there, too. There's some really good fishermen on the pro circuit right now. They're young. Right. They're that late 20 to 30, 30 range, but still no one, in my opinion. There's no one like a Jordan Lee or Jacob Wheeler right now younger because yeah. they're both over 30 now you know so yeah. they were winning tournaments mid-20s as a pro uh on on a national level so that's maybe patrick walters you know he i don't know how yeah, old that's is. a good one he's he seems to be a real good fisherman still not 30 years old yet yeah no. not with the accolades that jordan and, and jacob had at that age but um talking about the i, I like to really fast dive into who are some well more uh, well known names? I guess names we should know on the pro circuit. I know like a, a Jacob Wall is one that people should definitely know about if they don't know already. Yeah, I mean Jacob's pretty young too. He's probably mid mid to late twenties, isn't he? Who's that, Jacob? Jacob Wall. <laughs> yeah, he is mid to late twenties. Um, let's see, uh, Spencer Sheffield, phenomenal mm-hmm. fisherman. Uh, Dakota Ebear, 
he's really good fisherman. I think he's under 30. Gray, Matt Becker, they're both around that age. Um, Dylan Hayes, he's probably more, my probably mid 30s, uh, but another really good fisherman. I mean, I could look look down the list, but just off the top of my head, six or seven guys, you know, right there that are, they're good, man. And I fished both tours this year. I fished the Bass Pro right. Tour and, and the Pro Circuit. And, you know, I saw, I had, you know, I did well in both, but I saw that, hey, it's not just a walk in the park on the Pro Circuit, man. These guys are going to catch them. Pretty much that's what you, you know, and I see Cody Huff as uh, another name. He just qualified for the elites, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was in this uh, or in the pro circuit this year too. Another great fisherman. So yeah. um, there's some really young guys, and you know, I I still, uh, but I still feel like there's no no one that's no not not in that echelon at least just no. yet. But right, but, it's I mean, so rare to come out as a pro in a year or two and win uh, on a oh, national yeah. level. It's just such a, such a hard thing to do. Really, you're just trying to survive, get your feet wet, get experience. And you know, normally, break even. Uh, yeah, third or fourth year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not that really fast too. It's like Spencer Shuffield made a couple of the uh, championship rounds, didn't he this year? I'm sure he did. I know Smith like he did, and I don't know where else, but Smith like yeah, he almost won it. I think on the on the BPT. Oh, not on the BPT. Oh, didn't BPT. he make? Didn't he fish one of the BPT events? Might have done Harrison. I think he is where he did. Because I, I I don't know if he made top ten, but he got close because he he was catching some fish where I caught some in practice and I fished it in the tournament and never caught me. And then I'm sitting there watching him catch him on live. I'm like, man, he sucked him dry. I'm like, gosh dang! <laughs> I, one time I don't pull out a spinning rod. You know, I'm watching him <laughs> catch him off this spot. I found, but anyway, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I could have sworn I, I was watching him on live one of the days. I don't know if it was that or if I was watching the pro circuit. I couldn't remember, but I, I knew it was Sheffield. I just couldn't remember if it was BPT or not. But, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's start diving into some of the stuff uh, from the off season. And I guess really kind of to start the conversation is, you know, what are the, what are some of the first things that you do when you know, when your last tournament is over to kind of one unwind, maybe do a mental reset, you know, what, what are some of the first things that you do when the season's over? For me, dude, I put, I put everything away for the most part, uh, at least for a couple of weeks. Um, and like I said, now it's been almost almost two months of, of hardly fishing at all. But I just needed that break. Um, so I put everything away. Now I'm, I'm past week. I really started kind of going through uh, equipment, trying to figure out what I need to replace, what is still good for another season. Problem right now is even for me, getting equipment is not easy. Um, <laughs> just that whole you know supply chain issue is affecting everyone. Um, and doesn't I haven't been able to order hardly anything this year. I've just been able to get a few things when they come in from my boss. He's like, "Hey, this came in. Here's a few, you know, here's a few flatworms for you or whatever." But <laughs> nothing. Uh, I haven't been able to order anything. I've gotten like three packages this year. I feel like so. Um, I'm going through everything right now, all the gear, trying to figure out what I can use again another season. And right now, I've got some. Uh, I've got some rods that are like some of my Fantasista Premier rods. Um, my spinning rods are going on like four or five years now. They're awesome, awesome rods. Um, but line, I, I did get some bulk spools of line, so I'm good to go there. Uh, you know, and just doing an inventory on everything. That's really the deal right now. Uh, 
we're getting ready to have this baby. So that's going to be, you know, probably a little more delay. But normally come December, I'm about ready to get my new boat. And that's when I start getting back on the water a pretty good bit and just, you know, start start getting that feeling back. But I went ahead and I signed up. Um, I signed up for the pro circuit again because, you know, we have a tournament. The first one is at Rayburn in January. And I just feel like that's a good good icebreaker for the year. Get things, you know, get the blood flowing again. And, um, of course, the championship is on St. Lawrence River. And I love that place. So would love to make that and have a chance to win that thing. And I think it's the middle of August. So the fish should be deep. Drop shot, Ned Rig should be fun. Right up here. Yeah, that's a little yeah. bit in your forte, right? Just so. Uh, you know, I can catch one here and there doing it. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, when you say you're putting stuff away, you know, you're taking a t- couple months off here. I mean, what are – obviously, you got a kid on the way. So that's taking up the majority of your yeah. job and getting ready for right. it. But, like, on a year – no vision. <laughs> Literally focused on – uh, family, you know, and spending time with family and just doing things around the house, uh, getting caught up on chores that needed to get caught up on that my wife uh, needed done around the house and uh, just different things like that, man. Really, I mean, no fishing. Uh, trying to, my grandpa, my grandparents live close to here. Uh, my mom and stepdad too, but um, trying to spend time with them. Didn't get to see them that much throughout the year. Uh, so, yeah, always – Always trying to uh, spend as much time with family as I can in the off season, especially after fishing 17 tournaments this year. I, I kind of feel like I owe that to them. So, uh, but it's fun. I They're like probably it. grateful. Yeah, man. That's, <laughs> it's tough. You know, that's a it's the best job on earth. Don't get me wrong. Every job has hard things about it, whatever. But I, I feel like the only hard thing about our job is is just being away from family. You know, that's really it. Other than that, if anybody's complaining about being a pro fisherman, you just tell them to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Your job is to be outside in the market. Awesome companies. Like, what are you grumbling about? Dude, we're so lucky and fortunate to be able to do it. Anytime somebody's complaining, I'm like, dude, you don't know. Now, you don't know how lucky you are right now. We live in the greatest country in the world. And we're able to literally fish for a living, you know, I'm yeah. talking about pro guys that are complaining. So I don't have time for that. If pro guys are complaining. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to it. <laughs> I like it. Could be. Uh, entry fees, don't get me wrong. Entry fees suck. There's still things that suck, but mm-hmm. it's not worth it. It's not, you know, if you're making money and you're able to make a living, I'm just thankful to have a place to fish, you know, so I got to pay entries, whatever. Heck yeah. Yeah, there's much worse things you could be doing, right, Andy? Like sitting at a desk at a bank. Yeah, amen to that one. <laughs> yeah, a- Andy, uh, Justin uh, made the switch. It was what back in August? August? Yeah. Yeah, August. Three months ago, I quit to go full time guide on Lake Erie and Buffalo. Oh, nice, dude. So it's been fun. How's it been working out for you? Decent. Could always have more trips, as you know, but got yeah. some other side gigs that I do and. Bailey's always on me because I'm like behind the eight ball and everything with the two year old. And no, I'm just kidding. Bailey's great. But, uh, you know, a couple <laughs> jobs and fishing. And I also guide for steelhead and salmon from the streams this oh, nice. time of year. So, like, awesome. I'm like in between. So I'm out smally fishing all weekend. And now next weekend I'm doing trout trips. So it's like, uh, it's That's tiring. really cool, dude. That's it's, awesome. It's fun. Yeah. That's very cool. How's the smally bite up there right now? 
Uh, Bailey, you can tell them how it is. <laughs> it's just nonstop. Not- <laughs> yeah. Doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're catching on like a rig single swim baits, crank baits, and like ten foot of water. No, it, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. It's a riot. <laughs> Very cool. I think so, I yeah. caught. Let's say I think we landed two hundred fish this weekend. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Conservatively, two hundred. How cold is it when you're out there, though? Uh, yesterday was sixty-three. Oh, the water temp bad. is fifty-five still. That's not bad at all. So it's not it's even like prime yet, dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> legit. Yeah. Well, you might be hit, uh, hitting open water in January up here. Believe it or not, it's a very warm fall. It's happened the last couple of years. Wow. So is it getting pushed back further? Like, is, is yeah. ice, does it stay longer than it used to? No, the ice actually has been leaving earlier. So I was actually just watching a segment on the news earlier, and they were talking about, like, the end of growing season. About 10 years ago, it was, like, October 20th would be the first frost. And now we're up to about November 3rd, 4th. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And then the ice leaves the lake on average, like, the beginning of April, it used to be right around the third, the fourth week of April. So it so, is changing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been kind of weird, but I mean, longer we get open water, I'm not complaining because I'm not the biggest ice fisherman. So, no. real, man. Longer it keeps it in that prime time temperature range, it's, I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> that was always the thing up there. Yeah. I was like, man, how could you guys live up here? You could only fish six months a year, and now you could fish eight, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. I, I think my boat goes away the first or second week of December, and I pull it out the middle of the end of March. Yeah, that's not that bad. No. Not that bad. Just enough time to get on YouTube, watch some tips and tricks, and <laughs> exactly. be fired up for the next season. A lot of Justin Lucas videos. Yeah, you're not going <laughs> to Yeah, taking the, the two months off, and then you're back into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching some very soon, trying to get fired up too. So heck yeah, heck yeah. Well, dude, when uh, on years you don't have a kid on the way, uh, what obviously we know that you're very proficient with your Traeger grill. But beyond that, are there any other hobbies or anything you do on during your off season when you get some downtime? Not really, man. Cook, cook and fish, and and mess with tackle. I mean, that's pretty much it. But the fishing normally, like I said, comes along towards the end of off season once we're starting to get back in the roll. I have cooked on the Traeger a lot. Uh, that's definitely one thing. That's my main <laughs> hobby. I feel like I feel like I like cooking on the Traeger more than I like to fish right now. Uh, <laughs> but that'll change. You know, I'll get back in the swing of things. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's I don't know. No, no crazy hobbies or anything. I just like you know, my my big thing is just making sure getting outside. We went on hike this weekend at the Lake Unterville State Park. But just being outside, soaking up some vitamin D. Um, and just trying to be active. I do like to, I do like to try and stay as in best of shape as possible in the off season. Not that I'm in amazing shape or anything, but one of my favorite things to do is just get up and go walk, you know, for 45 minutes or an hour in the mornings. I love doing that. And then, you know, maybe getting in a little 20 or 30 minute workout in the afternoons, but nothing crazy. I'm not, I'm not a gym rat, nothing like that. Just something to stay active. Yeah, but you hear about a lot um, more and more anglers are talking about that, though. Like, not being like a crazy gym rat or anything like that, that are, you know, going and pumping weights every morning for a couple hours. But, like, guys that are getting out, you know, going for a 20 minute run every morning, 
or every other morning, something like that. Something just to keep physically active as like they've seen improving, you know, especially the guys that weren't active that switched had like a lifestyle switch that done it. They say that their tournament season is more successful just because they feel better when they're on the water. It just gives you more confidence too. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, that's just, I think that's proven somewhere. I remember listening to some podcast or something about it, but the, you know, all these, they interview all these successful, really successful business owners, CEOs and stuff. And that one of the most common things they had amongst these guys was some kind of physical activity. Doesn't mean that they had to be, you know, freaking bench pressing and lifting weights, but could have been riding a bike, walking, running, whatever, just something that um, kind of gets you going in the mornings, you know, it just, and then it just gives you confidence. It's, it's weird in a way that I don't know how it does that, but it does. And in return, you feel like you're going to catch more fish because you're doing it, you know, so whatever, it works. Yeah. Like, I, with it. I hope the other guys just, you know, don't do anything. Donuts. Uh, I feel like it is a little bit of an advantage. I don't ever talk about it. You know, Aaron, Aaron Martins was, uh, he always spoke about it and mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, being in, in top physical uh, condition for fishing, he always felt like that was a big reason why he was so successful. And again, I think it goes back to just, uh, you know, the confidence it gave him of being in that physical condition. Uh, the dude was a machine, you know, he could, he would literally run at night after practice before like the next day of practice, like just crazy. So, um, yeah, really, he was the guy that, that really probably got it going. I'm seeing like somebody say Zach Burge. I know he does it some, or does some weightlifting, Carl Jockamson, a few of these other guys. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to get jacked or nothing. I'm just trying (laughs) to get that confidence, you know? I'll tell you one of the biggest gym rats, uh, and he's become a good friend now. Is is Tyler Rivet on the elites? Oh, and really? He will go and pump iron for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then go fishing for the rest of the day. And I was yeah. like, dude, like back in our college days when we train, I, after the gym, I couldn't like move my arms. I don't know how you go and just go flipping, you know, yeah. one ounce weights for the rest of the day. Like it's yeah, that dude's crazy. That dude is actually crazy. He's probably flipping two ounce weights like thirty feet past his. Yeah. <laughs> Splashing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah but no it's it's i've it's definitely i think a proven fact and you hear about people not even just fishing but like in any facet of talking about physical activity getting the brain waves moving yeah. but also like it just gets you in a positive mindset to kind of help you influence your decisions throughout the day i think oh, it, yeah. that's just proven fact now yeah and i don't if you're not incorporating some of somewhat of that like it's it's hey even bobby lane is walking now so, because we we'll call each other in the mornings, he's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm walking." He's like, "Yep, so am I." So, we'll we'll talk for 45 minutes and walk almost three miles, you know, talking for 45 minutes. But uh, that's the other cool thing about walking—you can have a conversation, you can catch up on some phone calls, listen to podcasts, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you get in your own mental zone. Yeah, man. I used to think walking was lame. I also think used to owning a pontoon boat was lame. I have one of those. And I used to think that owning an RV was for old people. And I just sold one of those last year that we used to, you know, travel with. So all the things I used to think were <laughs> lame and for old people, I've already done and I'm doing them. So, and I'm, or you're I'm, just calling yourself an old person. Whatever. <laughs> it's all is that, 
Is that a movement now with pro pro bass anglers just buying a pontoon boat? I think I think it was uh, Dustin Connell has one. I think I saw one of his videos. Oh, we, we bought it uh, earlier this year, but it, it was awesome for the summer. Uh, just to be able to go out on the lake with family and stuff. It was really cool to have. Let's be real. You're just using that to graph so no one sees your boat wrapped and everything like that. No it's one's going to see a guy wrapped on a pontoon boat. It's pretty cool just going right by somebody and not having a wrap on the boat. They have no idea. You know, <laughs> they, and they're not afraid to set the hook or anything. You know, you got like a Solix 15 on the council. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, but that would be tight. What do we have to do to get Justin Lucas to fish a pro circuit event in a pontoon boat? Oh, hey, was, uh, take off would be hairy. I probably would if I could. <laughs> that would be a sight to see. <laughs> so, dude, when you uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up uh, in a few and let you go because we know you got a bunch of stuff going on. But uh, you know, once when the season's you know approaching, getting closer. Is there anything you kind of do to try to, you know, sharpen your skills, get kind of, you know, knock the rust off? Like, do you do you try to make an effort to go fun fishing and do some certain techniques to kind of that you might be doing in that first event of the year? Maybe a little bit, yeah. You know, if there's something like we're going to be at Raven for the first event um, for the pro circuit, so I will definitely be spending some time on Gunnersville, throwing a trap, throwing a chatterbait, throwing jerk bait, the things that, you know, this is a grass lake as well, so is Sam Raven, so I can do a lot of those things. And really, it's like, for me, it's I just need that first good tournament. I need that first, you know, momentum booster. And once I have that, you know, I just – then after that, I'm good. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I need to practice, you know, techniques and stuff too much. I can always, personally, I can always get better at dirty water pre-spawn fishing. That is hands down my biggest weakness. But it's not really something I can go practice because – we're so caught up in tournaments come February and March uh, when that's going down. I just can't go, you know, I can't go do it. I'm going where the schedule is and uh, I love the nursery studio. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, but anyway, yeah. So not, nothing crazy. Just got to get the, you know, uh, get the decision-making going again. Really. I, I like to go like Matt, Matt Lee and I past couple of weeks, we've gone fishing a couple of times and we just place little bets, uh, on fishing, you know, I went and met Chris Lane out there for two hours the other day. We placed a $20 two hour bet, you know? So, and then I was fired up, dude. I'm sitting there running the front deck, putting the trolling motor down. Like it's a Bass Pro Tour event. And I'm just trying to win 20 bucks off Chris, you know? So um, anything that involves, uh, you know, a little side money, little side, side hustle there on, on some fishing. I'm going to, I'm going to fish hard. And it it kind of gets blood flowing and ready again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those videos you did. I think one was with Matt, one was like Justin Atkins. Yeah, you guys did a yeah. little competition like that. Yeah, I need to do those. Cool. Those are pretty fun because yeah. it's like you're making good content, but it's more fun that you're actually having a competition, trying to beat each other anyway. So yeah, it just comes out that it's all right, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, I, that was. I think your one with Justin Atkins was the one where it came out that uh, Justin used to. I think he worked for Humminbird when he was yeah he was graphing for a job, and that was yeah. what I was talk. I got the chance to talk to Justin at the Classic. Uh, he works for well, he's sponsored by X Two, and they're one of the clients to do PR for. Yeah, and uh, we got to talking about that. It was kind of cool how he got into that gig, and but it was because of your I, video I, that I remembered it. Yeah, I remember he used to talk to Justin when he worked at a lumberyard, you know, and he was just 
got out of college, Mississippi State, uh, working at this lumber yard, trying to fish, trying to make things work. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he went on and won the cup, I think, his first year on tour. Yeah. And then after that, he was he was kind of set and good to go. Um, but, yeah, he's a hard worker, great fisherman. Another guy I'd like to see win a tournament here pretty soon. He's mm-hmm. won a couple, but it's been been a couple of years now. So he was very close to St. Lawrence the past year. I know he was, man. He really was. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, Andy, uh, any questions pertaining to the off season for Justin before we hit him with the last question? Well, besides like all the family stuff, what would you say is the hardest part of the off season in relation to like picking up maybe a new sponsor or? leaving a relationship with the sponsor like what is your least favorite part of the off season you know i've been really fortunate the last few years i've been able to keep the relationships with the same people for like three years in a row now it's looking pretty good for next year but yeah that those conversations are always like toss up in the air you don't know you know uh but thankfully i I haven't had to go and really search for new stuff i've been able to hold on to the partnerships I have and I'm just, I'm trying to do that. And uh, you know, it's business. So if somebody decides they want to leave or whatever, right. Then, then it puts a little more work on the plate, but right now I'm kind of full anyway. Um, so just trying to make sure I'm doing a good job for those people. And uh, you know, it's a good time of year for me that if I, there was something I missed out on throughout the year, a social post or something like that, you know, I can go over all that stuff and yeah. try and fit something in, in the off season, but that's about it, dude. Nothing crazy. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So our last question is uh, from a little bird here that's texting me. Right. And first thing he's telling me is to tell tell you that I hear your steak is below average. Uh, <laughs> and he also told you me to ask say you anything else. <laughs> he told me is. to ask you if you have ever made a co angler fall into the water. I have. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is at the Arkansas River. It's Matt Pendrack. I know. Yep. <laughs> uh, he thinks he's the man at, at cooking on the trailer, and he's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, he's pretty good. But dude, his, he can't touch me on the state game. He can, he can have his shrimp or chicken or whatever else, but I got him beat on the state all day. Um, Sounds like we need a BTL live of a cook-off. He's been trying forever to get that. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, yeah, last story. Uh, and I'm out on fantasy football. I saw another guy post that. Yeah, I'm rich out. ass. After, <laughs> I did it, like, three years ago. And, dude, I got out. I got way too involved. Like, midnight, looking at my phone, trying to pick dudes up off waivers and all this screw that stuff. So <laughs> all in. I'm I got to beat the first round of playoffs. I had this awesome team and then I got smoked. I'm like, this was such a waste of time. Rigged. Um, <laughs> Rigged. Yeah, so I had a guy at the Arkansas River leaning up against my power poles and he didn't tell me at the time. And he was paint, taking a piss and <laughs> dude, I just hit I hit the down button and all I heard was boosh, you know. <laughs> I turn around and look, and there's just no one there. Pulls it down. I'm like, what in the world? And he pops up, you know. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, I just totally freaking I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what happened, but this guy totally just fell off the back of the boat. So he he was a pretty big dude, like probably 250, 260, and I'm trying oh to get and uh 
He's like, man, I was leaning up against those poles taking a piss, and you hit him down. He's like, I should have told you, you know. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> was he mad or did he like? He wasn't mad at all. He's he's laughing like, it off. He's like, dude, how are you supposed to know? I'm like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> you know, but if you want to play a good joke on your buddies, if they're ever leaning against those poles, dude, hit that down button. They're gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, what Joe said fell in his own piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Oh man. Well, thank you, Matt, for the uh, the the question to lead to that story because that's good. But there's been times where uh, we were out with buddies or something, and I've been tempted to put it on ten and tap a trolling motor just to screw with somebody. But oh yeah, yeah. So I I'm sure you haven't seen the video, but Bailey posted a video like a short the other day of players on the front deck of the Triton. He decided to nose dive and almost went off the back of my boat by tripping over players. So it was no, pretty no, funny. Right. Yeah. Really, you almost did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so the his Triton, where the we can put your pliers and scissors and stuff, uh-huh. is level with the front deck. Oh, uh, yeah. So we're Andy's getting something off of a dock, and basically when we're turning, he was telling me to watch my rods, and my rods in the back, the passenger seat, were going to run into the dock as he's turning. Yeah. So I look at that, and I go back to like try to save my rods, but and I zoom in on the video too. And my right foot hits the pliers just ever like, so slightly. Hits the toe. <laughs> And I start tripping my way back to the back deck, and I completely oh, miss God. the passenger seat. Just fall all the way to the back, and I slide from the like from the seat back headfirst into his motor. And I was so surprised I didn't like dent his cowling or anything. But like, if it weren't for his motor, I would have gone headfirst into the lake, slid off the back deck. I wonder how many guys have tripped over those. Now that you say it, I know what you're talking. They're about. in the worst spot. Like, it really, ever. Is. yeah, that's not a great spot. Yeah, we were just like we were laughing. We were like, "What in the heck was going?" On? You got it on video. Oh yeah, I, I don't have my head first going into the motor part, but like you can hear the whole boat shakes. I hit the motor so hard, you can hear him thud, and the whole boat goes like this. <laughs> yeah, that's about like me when I set the hook on a brush pile. You fall and tripped over the little latch on the lid. Oh jeez, console. Oh yeah, I thought I had a eight pounder on there too. <laughs> Big one, all the way back. I think I've, I think I've seen that. Was yeah, that was posted, this year, I posted it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said the hook hard, dude. I leaned in on that one. I thought I, I thought I had it, but uh, yeah, it was a yeah. <laughs> Anyway, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, Justin. yeah, Justin. It's it's good to get you back on here, dude. We appreciate you taking uh, some time out of your night, and especially. You're going through a hectic time, so hope everyone's okay. And obviously, good luck with the, the little guy. We're looking yeah. forward to seeing some pictures of him and absolutely seeing another Lucas top tier angler in the making. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, man. Like I said, won't push it on him, but if he wants to do it, by all yeah. means, we'll, we'll support him. So, awesome. anyway, you, guys, thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime, yeah. man. We'll see you later, Justin. All right, you guys have a good one. All right, take care. Yeah, like Joe said, me going head first. Karma. Redemption. Karma. <laughs> My boat was mad at you. <laughs> Dude, that was the time to literally have, what is it, the GoPro 9 that has the 360 or something like that? Yeah. To like see everything. That would have been the time to have it just to watch me go 
at first in the motor. I just remember looking at you just like straight belly laughing. I was like, are you okay? You're like la- you were laughing, and I was like, dude, I just went head first in your motor, and then you just died. Like you lost it. <laughs> we're sitting there with 24 and a half pounds in the live well and going head first into a motor, and we're just laughing. Like we didn't even care. Yeah. Oh, that was actually before I caught that six and a half, like a half 22 pounds in the boat. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think it was like 23 and a half or something we had at that point or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Wild. Yeah. But dude, uh, this past weekend was a lot of fun. Uh, Friday evening was an absolute riot that you guys will see in December. So about a month or so, we'll, we'll leak that video. Uh, we're going to leak a lot of content from Friday night because uh, we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh Andy kind of hinted at it a little bit on, on previous shows, so you can probably put together if you go back and listen. Uh, what you're talking about, if you want to go back and listen, uh, we had some issues with Apple Apple Podcasts on our Friday episode. It only uploaded to Spotify, well, basically everywhere except for Apple Podcasts. So if you guys want to go back, really good show with Mark Kortz, who's an, uh, a National Walleye Tour pro, but he's also a smallmouth hammer. And he talked about the advantages of uh, being a multi-species angler and how it can help your game being a bass guy. So if you're, if you're an Apple podcast person, uh, avid listener through Apple, uh, that show is on. Highly encourage you guys to go watch that one uh, or listen to that, I should say. But uh, Saturday we got back out, got in a, had some more fun, and then I saw the power of certain crankbaits uh, and how being very specific with actions can actually make a difference because I always was telling Andrew that I was never going to buy an expensive crankbait because I didn't think it would make that big of a difference, especially in the fall, Andrew, which really shouldn't make that big of a difference, Um, especially when they're eating like they were. But it was we tested it out like we saw what was happening in front of our eyes. And we're like, this is an opportunity to experiment. We're not practicing. We're not fishing a tournament. Let's experiment. And we did. We tried some different things compared to that OSP, dude. And that was stupid. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, like I dropped $150 on Saturday night after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe's getting mad. <laughs> yeah. And, and for the record, Joe, I knew about them before that. They just never came in stock. And then they did. And you told me they were in stock, so I bought a bunch. Yeah. Well, either way, thank you, Joe. Thank you for yeah, the thank you. <laughs> Too bad. Now it's ours. Uh, no, yes. uh, but a lot of fun on Saturday. Uh, caught a lot of fish. Uh, and then saw, yesterday I did not film at all. Just went out fishing with a buddy. And because your GoPros in my truck, GoPros in the truck. But also we were just kind of. Uh, he was trying to do read some electronics and uh, showing him some stuff electronics, and then we stumbled our way into almost twenty four pounds. It was twenty three thirteen, so almost twenty four. Yeah. But uh, of a mixed bag, he had a five eleven large mouth. I had a five two small mouth, and. Some four pounders in there, four four, four six, and like a four seven or something like that. Four eight, nice. but yeah, it was a fun day yesterday. Uh, we it was first fall day I've spent out from dark to dark. Not that that's a big feat because it was the time change. So literally, oh, and you started a little, a little late too. Yeah. So yeah, here another funny story. Uh, so I wake up, get my breakfast, my coffee made, I get on the road to go meet Forest, and uh, it's about six forty five, and I call him, and I because like. At this point, I didn't realize it was the time change. And so, like, before, like, Saturday and before, and obviously the time change, it was getting dark, or it was getting light at, like, 7.30, Andy, 7.45-ish. Yeah, we started almost at 8 on Saturday. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, so I called him and I was like, dude, why the hell is it getting light right now? And he's like, you know, dude, it's a time change today. And I was like, oh, well, I wouldn't have said we should meet at 730. Then I said, we should have met at 630. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just dummy me not paying attention. I thought it was November. I thought it was this morning, not yesterday morning. But either way, it was a fun day on the water yesterday. Fish a lot of good content coming out for you guys. We have a bunch of videos that we are stockpiling up and waiting to let rip this winter so you guys have some content to, uh, to feast on, we should yeah. say. But uh, for those of you guys that are listening right now, especially on Apple Podcasts, uh, tell our folks that they should stop being late on posting our episode, but also leave us a rating and review. And then, uh, yeah, if you want, I just want to give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel because we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. Um, we have a really cool episode coming up on Friday. Uh, with Stephen Carey and Kurt Kofig. I believe I pronounced his last name right. If not, I'm sorry, Kurt. You oh, can Kurt's coming out. Cool. We're going to have a whole Binsky episode, the Fish Science Binsky. We're going to have a whole Blade Bait episode on Friday. And then next Monday Night Live, for those who want to tune in, put it on your schedule and you want to be there, uh, we have old Brandon Polnick making an appearance on Monday Night Live uh, a week from tonight. So we hope to see you guys there. But, uh, Andy, anything else for the folks before we tune out tonight? Stay tuned to YouTube because there's going to be a lot of smallmouth coming. A lot of smallmouth. Uh, hopefully some more largemouth to mix in because I'm really trying to learn what these smallmouth or these largemouth do. Like late, late fall, like almost yeah. to December when we still don't have ice yet. I really want to learn how to catch the green ones because um, there's not a lot of times you can catch a lot of them. It's more like if you catch them, they're big. And there's only a few bites a day, but yeah. uh, either way, a lot of good content coming, uh, some big sales coming, some giveaways coming in December, uh, some Christmas fun, and uh, some big changes coming to Serious Angler Podcast for 2022. Maybe we'll announce some stuff early. There might be stuff presented right now. We don't know. We don't uh, know. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, we do know we're just not telling you until early December. Uh, so hopefully uh, you guys can look out for that. and Some really cool stuff coming for 2022. So we're excited. You guys will obviously reap the rewards of it. And uh, just keep following along. We appreciate everyone's support. And Andy, I think we're going to call it a night. All right, folks. We'll see you guys on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.